Today's daf is Yud Chet in Masechet Betza. We are on Yud Zayin Amud Bet, bottom of the Amud, with the new Mishnah, Chal Liyot Achar Shabbat. What happens if Yom Tov falls not <coughs> on a Friday, like we've discussed up till now, but on a Sunday? Beit Shammai, Omrim Matpilin Etakol Melefnei HaShabbat. According to Beit Shammai, we have to take everything that requires Tevila, both people and vessels, to the Mikveh before Shabbat, because we would have to purify everything for uh, Yom Tov use is the point because you'll be having korbanot and other items. So you need to uh, do all the tevila prior to Shabbat. Uh, Beit Hilel says you're right about the uh, kelim, about the vessels. They have to be immersed prior to Shabbat, but people can go on Shabbat itself. They both agree that what you, you can purify water in a stone vessel to purify. Now, what they would do was they would put the uh, water that had become tamay. Water is the only food stuff or liquid, edible liquid, that can become purified if it became tamay. The way that you do it is you lower it into a mikveh or into a body of water that is uh, acceptable for, uh, for immersion. And at the moment that that water touches, basically comes into contact or kisses, so to speak, the water that is uh, uh, that is uh, the purifying waters, so the the impure water will become tahor again. Even though you can't do that for any other food, no other food can become tahor after if it's become, after it's become tamay, except for water. <clears throat> and you can do that in a stone vessel because basically stone vessels are not uh, subject to tumah, so therefore you, there's no way to to construe it that you're purifying the vessel because there's no way that the stone vessel is, uh, is uh, going to be tamay or going to become tahor. Only the waters become tahor. But we cannot immerse vessels on, uh, on Shabbat or Yom Tov. We can uh, immerse from back to back and from group to group. The Gemara will explain what that means later on. So the Gemara says, Everybody agrees that you cannot immerse a vessel on Shabbat. What's the reason? Rabbah brings his classic explanation. But the reason is that you might take the vessel in your hand and carry it for Amot and Roshut Rabim, taking it to immersion at the mikveh. Amar le Abaye Abaye says, What if the person has uh, a pit of water in his backyard? What does he need to walk to the mikveh? Maybe he has a, uh, an enclosed area that he's able to have access to where he doesn't have to carry the vessel outside. Just like we say with every other case where there's a gzerah about carrying, such as the lulav and the shofar, we don't say do it at home. We say don't do it at all. So same thing. We, we, it could be that a person will have a mikveh accessible that's enclosed, but it's uh, quite. But if we allow him to do that, then a person might carry it in the Rashut rabim, and we don't want that to happen. Again, the question is that works for Shabbat. But what about Yom Tov and Yom Tov? You should uh, be able to immerse vessels if the whole concern is about carrying. You're allowed to carry on Yom Tov even without an Eruv. Gazeru Yom Tov atu Shabbat. The answer is that they made a of Yom Tov because of Shabbat. Of course, you could always ask the question uh, in general, how can you carry on Yom Tov if we're concerned that you'll confuse it with Shabbat? That's another issue. But he said they made a blanket gzerah that you cannot immerse vessels on Shabbat or Yom Tov because you might come to carry on Shabbat. Umiga Zorinan, do we really make such a gzerah? Do we really make such a decree? Vatzan, we learned in the Mishnah of Shavin Shemashikin at the Mayim Even the Taro, Avalomat Bilin. It said that you're allowed to uh, purify water 
by immersing it in the mikveh, connecting its water, connecting the tamay water to the water of the mikveh or the body of water that's a purifying water. So if that's true, so if it's true that you're not allowed to, uh, if it's true that, that the concern is that we're making all these xerot, maybe if you do X, you'll do Y. So why are we not concerned that by immersing water to purify it, we'll immerse vessels to purify them? So the Gemara says, is that really logical? So this is an interesting answer. What the Gemara says is, that if the person had good water that was tahor, he would not have to do hashaka. He would not have to purify the water that he has left. So the fact is that he has very limited water, obviously, and this very limited water became tamay. And since he has very limited water to begin with, because if he didn't have limited water, he wouldn't have to go to the trouble of purifying the water that he had on the Shabbat or Yom Tov. So that, that means that he's going to be extremely vigilant and careful about keeping the water, ta- keeping the water tahor. Now, obviously, this water became tamay, but it would be a rare occurrence, the point is. Now, that's the interesting thing. The Gemara doesn't come straight out and say the full logic behind the argument here. Rashi spells it out and Rabbeinu Hananel spells it out. Also, that the, the logic is that since the person has such limited water, we assume that it's a rarity that it would become tamate to begin with and that somebody would need to do hashakav water to begin with. So since it's such a rarity, therefore it's allowed because in general the rabbis don't make zerot on things that are miltad de la shkicha, that are unusual occurrences and it would be unusual for a person with such limited water to have to uh, take it and immerse it on Shabbat or Yom Tov. That's the reason. But otherwise, yeah, we'd make a for that too. There is an objection. You're allowed to draw water from a well uh, with, uh, with a tamay bucket and the bucket will become tahor on its own. That's true. Maybe you'll come to immerse the dli, to immerse the bucket on its own. It says dalio. What should say is dilui, which is the action. In other words, the point is that since we're only allowed incidentally to purify the bucket by immersing it in. Uh, you know, to draw water and just by, by uh, automatically the uh, bucket is going to become tawar, that's allowed, but you're not, a, but we're, and we're not worried that you're going to confuse that with simply taking the bucket to immerse it. Eidve, there is an objection again. If a vessel became tamay on Erev Yom Tov, then you cannot immerse it on Yom Tov. But if it happened on Yom Tov itself, so you had no other recourse, so then you're allowed to immerse it on Yom Tov itself because you had no other recourse. So if we're concerned so much about making Zerot, so then why don't we make Zerot that if you allow a person to immerse a vessel that became tamay on Erev Yom Tov, you'll also immerse a vessel, on Yom Tov itself, then you'll also immerse a vessel that became the man Erev Yom Tov. This time the Gemara spells out the point um, that uh, that according to Rashi and Rabbeinu Hananel was implicit in the previous in the previous answer, which is <clears throat> for a vessel to become Tamean Yom Tov when everybody's being super careful about Tumavitara is unusual and therefore it would be unusual for a Kli to become Tamean Yom Tov and therefore it's a, because it's such a rare occurrence we allow you to immerse the vessel on Yom Tov. Uh, even though any other circumstance, any other Tamei vessel that became Tamei before Yom Tov would not be allowed to be immersed on that day. There is another objection. If a vessel became Tamei with an Avatuma, in Matbilino Tov Yom Tov. Now what's the difference between Avatuma and Vladatuma? Avatuma is a primary source of Tuma, and really according to the Torah, vessels can only become Tamei from an Avatuma, from a primary source of Tuma. 
Um, they cannot really become tamay from derivative tumah, arishon the tumah, and so on. They can, those things, those levels of tumah can really only affect foods. But midorapanan, uh, we do extend the rules of tumah to include uh, even derivative tumah causing tumah to vessels. So if something became tamay from an ava tumah, you can uh, you ca- you cannot immerse it because it's actually tamay, as Rashi says. Uh, he explains because the kevan de tamei minatorah velikim taken. He's really fixing the vessel in that case because it's actually tamei minatorah. But if it became tamei from a vlada tumah, it's really only midirabanan. So we don't have a, a restriction on immersing it in that case. Um, and the uh, and Rashi says there that he's still holding, according to that, that it's talking about vessels that became tamei on erev yom tov, not. Uh, not on Yom Tov itself, because according to Rashi, if it became Tamei on Yom Tov itself, even from an Avatum'ah, we're allowed to immerse it on Yom Tov, because we already said that that's, a, that's such an exceptional circumstance that the rabbis didn't make exirah against it. So this is talking about even on Erev Yom Tov, that things that became Tamei from an Avatum'ah, you're not allowed to immerse on Yom Tov, but things that became Tamei on Erev Yom Tov from an derivative, you're allowed to. Now, if that's true, so why are we not concerned that from, your, from the fact that you're allowed to immerse a vessel that became Tamei from a derivative source, you'll also immerse something that became Tamei from a primary source. The thing is that where are we concerned about a Vlada Tum'ah? Where are we concerned about a secondary source of Tum'ah, derivative Tum'ah? Creating tuman kelim in vessels only by kohanim, because what happens is that when a rishon the tumah, for instance, becomes uh, it, it comes into contact with a vessel, so the vessel is going to become a sheni le tumah. Now, sheni le tumah is irrelevant to chulim; it's irrelevant to uh, ordinary foodstuffs, because ordinary foodstuffs can only become tamei to the level of a sheni. So, if they come into contact with a sheni, they don't become a shlishi. Only kohanim really worry about a shlishi, because tumah is sensitive to Tum'ah up to a level of Shlishi, and Kodesh is sensitive to Tum'ah up to a level of Revi'i. So what that means is that a vessel that is a Sheni Tum'ah is only of a concern, really, to Kohanim. And <clears throat> we say Kohanim Zrizine. And since the Kohanim are very careful, they're not going to make a mistake. So meaning to say that who is going to want to immerse a vessel that became Tamei from a Vlada Tum'ah? Only a Kohen, because he's worried about it touching his Tum'ah. And a Kohen is going to understand that he can't immerse any other things on Yom Tov. He's going to understand the limitations. And therefore, he's not, it's not a concern to us uh, to allow the immersion of vessels that contracted Tum'ah from derivative, uh, like a, a Rishon Tum'ah, because the, only a Kohen would be concerned about that. And a Kohen will know his limits. Tashma, Dam Barashi Amrav. Barashi said the name of Rav. If a woman is in a state of nida and she has no other clothing, that is ta- her clothing is also tamay by virtue of her being in nida. She wants to make her clothing also tawar because she has no other clothing. She can go and immerse in her clothing. Now, meaning even on Shabbat or Yom Tov, she can go and immerse in her clothing because you wouldn't normally be allowed to immerse clothing on Yom Tov or Shabbat. So Rashi says, uh, she's allowed to go wearing this loose clothing and it will automatically become Tawar as well. You know, if we allow her to do that, how do we know she's not going to now go and immerse the clothing by itself? Again, just like we said above about the, uh, about the bucket, since we only allow her to do it while she's wearing it, she'll realize it's an exceptional case. She's not going to make a more general 
conclusion that you're allowed to immerse vessels on Yom Tov, um, she'll realize that it was only in the limited case where she's wearing the clothing. And uh, Tosfot here says, what about the issue of, uh, of uh, absorbing water that normally we cannot use cloth, we cannot put cloth into water on Shabbat and Yom Tov because we might come to squeeze it out. And uh, generally that's the rule. He said, derech tinuf, when it's considered to be dirtying the clothing, that's, uh, that, that, that doesn't apply. And here she's not going to consider wearing the clothes into the mikveh to be cleaning it. She's going to be considering, considering that, so to speak, dirtying it by, because it's getting wet from the mikveh. And she's going to have to now leave it out to dry. That's allowed. We're only concerned about where it's considered kibus, when the water that it's coming into contact with is cleansing it. And he says that's the reason why you're allowed to use a towel on Shabbat or Yom Tov to wipe your hands. Because when you wipe your hands off on the towel, you're not considered to be cleaning the towel, you're considered to be dirtying the towel. Anyhow, be that as it may, uh, Rav Yosef Amar, so that, that was all the first answer. The first answer to why you cannot immerse vessels on Shabbat and Yom Tov is because of carrying on Shabbat, that you might carry the vessel for Amot and Roshut Rabbim on Shabbat. And all of the questions that we had subsequent to that were it, that, oh, well, then, then immersing on Yom Tov must be a gzerah. And immersing uh, and not being allowed to immerse in a mikveh that's on your own property is also a gzerah. All of these gzerot, and then the question was, where do we? What, why don't we make a gzerah in many other cases? That was what all of the uh, discussion was about. So now Rav Yosef gives a totally different reason. He said gzerah mishum schita that the reason why you are not allowed to immerse vessels on Shabbat and Yom Tov is because since vessels, kelim, includes also clothing that became tamay, and with that you have the issue of schita, of squeezing it out. So um, therefore, uh, it would be a concern that you might squeeze out, you might perform schita on this clothing, and therefore we don't allow any clothing to be immersed in the mikveh on um, on Shabbat or Yom Tov, or you know any vessels, even ones that are not absorb, you know, do not absorb. So it said. Uh, so uh, the Gemara asks, That makes sense for things that are that you might squeeze out, but what if it's something that isn't squeezable it's just a, a, a pot or a pan why can't you immerse that it's a that if you allow pots and pans to be immersed you'll immerse clothing and if you immerse clothing you might squeeze it out the Gemara says then uh, basically they asked all the same objections against Rav Yosef that we just listed on this Amud and they were answered the way that we answered them above. In other words, he, both of these answers, the answer of the carrying and the answer of, uh, of sechita that we're worried about squeezing out, they both have the limitation that really they're only applicable to a certain uh, segment of the cases of immerse, immersing vessels. Uh, the, uh, the concern about carrying only applies to Shabbat, only applies when the mikveh is outside of one's immediate area, a one enclosed area. And the issue of schita only applies to uh, cloth and material that is subject to schita. It's, it doesn't apply to other things. So we're going to have to say that there is a gzerah and everything else that, because you might come to uh, these particular cases. Once you say that, what about all the other possible gzerot you could have made? Why didn't you make all the other possible gzerot you could have made? And that's why we need the answers that we had on the Amud about, well, uh, immersing a bucket, immersing water, 
uh, immersing of Vlad Tum'ah, and so on and so forth, wearing clothing while going to the mikveh, and so on and so forth. All these cases, why don't we make examples on those cases? The Gemara had to answer them, would have to answer them for Rav Yosef as well. Rav Bevai Amar, the real concern is that you might leave it around. In other words, if we allowed a person to immerse their vessels on Yom Tov, so you might leave them around until Yom Tov where he has free time, because he doesn't have free time. He'll say, oh, you know, I'm so busy getting ready for the holiday, I'm just going to leave all these kilim over and, and, until Yom Tov, and I'll, take, I'll make a trip to the mikveh on Yom Tov. Meanwhile, while he has the, um, while the kilim are lying around, people are going to use them, not realizing that, uh, that they're tamay. And they're going to end up, uh, you know, uh, causing uh, tumat to spread throughout other things. Tanya kivatedu rav bevai. We even have a support for rav bevai in a in a brayta. Klishnit ma beirav yom tov and beirav yom tov yom tov. Because Rashi says that if a kli became tamand erav yom tov, we cannot immerse it on yom tov because you might leave it around until yom tov, and meanwhile it gets used without people realizing that it was in fact tamay. So that's that's a third answer. And now kili. The reason why you cannot immerse uh, vessels on uh, Yom Tov is because it looks like Tikkun Kli or Shabbat. It's because it's a type of Tikkun Kli. Tikkun Kli is, comes under the Melacha of Makebe uh, Patish, that you're finishing off something, you're completing something, and that Tikkun is prohibited because it seems like a Melacha. So the question is, if that's true, if that's true, what about a person? Beit Zilel said a person can go to the mikveh on, on Shabbat or Yom Tov. Why, why is a person allowed to? Because that person looks like he's just taking a nice bath. He's cooling off. He's not fixing anything. So it's okay. That works for nice water. If the mikveh is nice, like the mikveh we have, you know, mikveh that we have, you know, they're clean, nice, chlorine. It has, uh, you know, it has chlorine. It's, you know, it's all that so it's warm so that a person will go and the, maybe they're using it for a swimming pool I don't know but if the person is going to dirty water which is also kasheel for a mikveh so that person goes to a mikveh like that uh, how can you say he's just cooling off who's going to cool off in dirty disgusting water sometimes the person comes from very hot weather he might go into even very dirty water to cool himself off so uh, we can make an excuse that he's not really doing a tikkun, he's not really fixing anything, he's not really repairing anything, he's just cooling off. So that works for the hot weather, when it makes sense that a person would cool off, but what about in the winter weather? It's not, it doesn't always have to be cooling off. A person could come from a dirty uh, place, he's dirty from the field, he's got mud and excrement on him from being outside, and he'll jump in any water, even not the cleanest water, just to get it off of him. He'll go into that. So maybe we'll say that mikveh is not clearly a tikkun, he's, he's just wa- washing himself off. That works for Shabbat. What about on Yom Kippur where you're allowed to go to the mikveh? What do we say about that? The fact is that there's nothing in the, in the realm of melacha that is, pro, that is permitted on Shabbat and forbidden on Yom Kippur. There are other things forbidden on Yom Kippur, obviously, but there's nothing that is permitted on Shabbat in terms of melacha that is forbidden on Yom Kippur. So since we are allowing the person to go to the mikveh on Shabbat, we're also going to allow him to go on Yom Kippur for the same reason. Does Rava really use logic like that? That since something is permitted in one circumstance, it's going to be permitted in other circumstances that are not exactly the same? But not because we know that a person doesn't take a bath on Yom Kippur, so we can't use that excuse for why he's going into the mikveh on Yom Kippur, right? So, uh, so, so, so how can you apply the logic of, well, since it's allowed on Shabbat, it's allowed on Yom Tov? Strange logic. 
Well, how do we know he has that logic? Because by the time we learned in the Mishnah, if a person is, uh, has pain in his teeth, he should not swallow uh, vinegar. But what he should do is dip his food in the vinegar and, uh, and that will heal his teeth automatically. If it gets healed, it gets healed because you're not allowed to do medicinal uh, procedures on uh, on Shabbat or Yom Tov, and I allowed to take medicine. So this guy's eating the vinegar, which supposedly will help his teeth, but is not uh, openly doing it because he's eating. Right? So it says, we, we raised the following objection. That we said in a, in a Brayta that you're not allowed to put it in your mouth and then, you know, meaning swish it around. Like what you're not allowed to do is swish, or, swish it around in your mouth. You, you can't swish it around in your mouth and spit it out. But if you swallow it afterwards, it's okay. So Rabbi said, you're right. When it said in our Mishnah, and it's, when it said in the Mishnah that you're allowed to, uh, that you're not allowed to swish, it, swish around the vinegar in your mouth, it meant if you spit it out afterwards, but if you swish it around and swallow it, it's okay. That's how Rabbi interpreted it. He said, that's exactly what the Mishnah means. Right, so the distinction is between somebody who swishes it around and spits it out versus somebody who eats it as part of their food. But no, the Mishnah might have been talking even about a person who swallows it afterwards. It depends when. If the person does it before the tibul, in other words, he, he puts it in his mouth and he swallows it before dipping his vegetables in, so then we can understand that that's, that, that's okay, that's acceptable. Why? Because... Uh, he's doing it to taste the vinegar to make sure it's good before he dips his food in. So it's not obviously medicinal. But if he's already finished dipping his vegetables in and then he wants to go uh, drink it, uh, then it wouldn't be allowed, right? So, uh, so what do you see here? If we say that, so the difference would be, can you just drink the vinegar after dipping, the, uh, you know, swish it around in the mouth and swallow it after the, um, after the, uh, uh, after dipping your vegetables in it, or is that obviously medicinal? And he says it is obviously medicinal. Abaye seemingly says it's not. So if we really say that Rava holds in general, that what's good in one circumstance is good in another. So, so the thing is, we should say that just like before you ate the vegetables, it was allowed to swallow the vinegar. It's also allowed afterwards. How can you make a distinction? Just like you say, well, if on Shabbat he's allowed to go to the mikveh, then he's allowed on Yom Kippur. So certainly if he's allowed to swallow, if five minutes ago he was allowed to swallow vinegar because it was before dipping vegetables. Now afterwards, how could it be prohibited? Right? And, and of course, this excludes the people who just like to eat vinegar. That doesn't even think about them. I had family members who, after we dipped the karpas on Pesach in the vinegar, they used to drink it. But whatever. Obviously, Rava must have retracted that answer because that answer that uh, there's a difference before and after the uh, eating of the vegetables would make it that part of Shabbat you were, you were allowed to drink vinegar and part of Shabbat you're not. And if he even extends permission from Shabbat to Yom Kippur, he definitely extends permission from an hour ago on Shabbat to an hour later on Shabbat. So, so how do you know that he retracted his position about vinegar? Maybe he retracted his position about Shabbat and Yom Kippur. And maybe he decided that, no, you can make a distinction and you can say that an hour ago on Shabbat, he was allowed to drink uh, vinegar. Now he's not. And just because you're allowed to immerse on Shabbat doesn't mean you're allowed to do it on Yom Kippur. Don't think that way. Because we learned in a Brayta explicitly. Because we have a clear Brayta that says that Shabbat and Yom Kippur, you're allowed to immerse. So Rava cannot deny that. And he's going to give the reason that the, 
that he's going to have to give the reason that, uh, that Shabbat is, uh, you know, on Shabbat you look like you're cooling off or washing off. And since you're allowed on Shabbat, you're also going to be allowed on Yom Kippur, even though the same reasoning, the same answer wouldn't apply. He's going to say ho'il. Since it's allowed in one circumstance, it's allowed in all, in the other circumstance, no matter what. Of course, Tosafot asked the question, uh, why can't we just say that he re- retracted his reasoning and his explanation for why it's permitted to immerse on Shabbat? He gave the reason that, oh, it doesn't, it looks like you're cooling off or it looks like you're washing off and that wouldn't apply to Yom Kippur. But anyway, you're going to be allowed to do Tevilan Yom Kippur, even though the reason doesn't apply. Maybe he could have accepted one of the other reasons for why you're allowed to immerse, like uh, that the only reason is because of carrying the vessel or the only reason is because of sechita, because of uh, squeezing things out. It could have given a different reason instead of having to force his reason and extend it to Yom Kippur where it doesn't really apply. So, uh, so the... Um so the, basically, the, Tosafot says that they must have known that that was the position, that was the explanation that Rafa offered, and there was no way to remove that explanation. We knew that that was the case, and we had to work it out with the case of Yom Kippur. But uh, in any case, the, uh, another interesting Tosafot here, the second Tosafot on the Daf, on the Amud, of Kol Chayavet Tevilot deals with nowadays, how we don't ever go to the Mikveh on Yom Kippur or on Tisha B'Av. Nowadays, the reason being that uh, the basic answer that the Tosafot gives at the end, which is from the Re, is that nowadays the reason why we don't do Tevilan Yom Kippur or Tisha B'Av is because back then they did it for Tarot. They did it because they actually actually observed the rules of Tumah V'Tara. And so that mitzvah and that concern overrode the restrictions. It was being done purely for the mitzvah. But nowadays, tevilah is really, the only time tevilah is really required halachically is for marital relations, which are anyway prohibited both on Yom Kippur and Tisha B'Av. So there's no justification for any tevilah on Yom Kippur or Tisha B'Av nowadays. And that's why we don't do it. That's, uh, that's the conclusion of the Tosafot. He goes through a couple of other steps, but that's the main point of the Tosafot there. Now, you're allowed to uh, purify water by lowering it into another body of water in a uh, stone vessel. So my avalomat bilin, but then it says avalomat bilin, but we cannot immerse the vessel. We cannot immerse vessels to purify them. What does it mean? But what you can't do is take a vessel that you want to purify, that's tameng, and put water in it and say, I'm, I'm purifying this water. I'm lowering it to purify the water with the idea that uh, by virtue of purifying the water, obviously you're also immersing the vessel that it's in and you're going to purify the vessel. You're not allowed to do that. Okay? So the Gemara asks, Who is the author of our Mishnah? And the, uh, and of course the Tosafot mentions the, uh, the issue of the, uh, the Dali that we saw before of lowering the, uh, lowering the, um, the uh, the bucket into the well where we allowed you to do that even though you're purifying the bucket uh, by uh, you know automatically and the the answer that they give is that basically here you'd be putting water into the vessel making the water to me by putting it in the vessel and then saying I need to purify it by lowering it into the mikveh but really your intent is to purify the buck the the container. Right, whereas there the bucket was already tamei, and there is no water in it. You're drawing the water, and by lowering it to draw the water, it becomes it becomes tahor, and then you pull up water that is tahor. It's a different process. In any case, the Gemara asks, "Mani bat niti lo lo rabbanan." Our Mishnah doesn't follow Rabbi or the Rabbis. Ditanya, we learned in Rabbi that ain't matpilin, and our Girsa is basically fixed uh, to accord with the, the version of um, of Rashi. So it says, Rabbi says, you may not 
do either of these things. You cannot uh, immerse a vessel in order for, you know, in, uh, using the excuse that you're purifying the water inside in order to purify the vessel. And you also cannot purify tamay water even in a stone vessel to make it tahor. So that's against our Mishnah clearly. There's the Chachamim say that you can purify water, but they also say that you can use that excuse of saying I'm purifying this water in order to really actually purify the vessel that the water is contained in. So it says, Rabbi is too strict for our Mishnah because Rabbi is saying that you can't purify Tamei water. And the rabbis are too lenient because they allow you to purify a vessel using the excuse of the water that's inside that is uh, more lenient than our Mishnah. So the Gemara says, Either it's going with Rabbi or the rabbis. We can explain it according to both. Rabbi will say this. My first halacha that I said was talking about Yom Tov. In other words, I was saying that you're not allowed to immerse a vessel on Yom Tov with water inside, claiming that you're really purifying the water when your true intent is to purify the vessel. The second halachai said that you can't purify water. That was only, I meant that on Shabbat. But our Mishnah is talking about on Yom Tov. So Rabbi would say that you're never allowed to immerse a vessel with water in it within, using the excuse of the water to purify the vessel, not on Shabbat or Yom Tov. But on Yom Tov, I agree, you're allowed to purify water. So he'll say our Mishnah is talking on Yom Tov. So that's why our Mishnah doesn't allow where your intent is to purify the vessel, but does allow where your intent is to purify the water because it's talking about Yom Tov. And Rabbi himself was talking about Shabbat when he said that you cannot immerse the water to purify it. What about the rabbis? The rabbis will say that our Mishnah is talking entirely about Shabbat, that the rabbis say that on Yom Tov, you're allowed to do both. You're allowed to purify the vessel using the water as an excuse and you're allowed to purify the water for its own sake. Uh, But on Shabbat, they agree that you're not allowed to uh, purify the vessel using the water as an excuse. So they would agree on Shabbat um, that, that, that they would say that our Mishnah that prohibits the, uh, where your intent is to purify the vessel but permits where your intent is to purify the water, they would say that's talking about Shabbat. So uh, in other words, what the rabbis view as the Halachan Shabbat is what Rabbi views as the Halachan Yom Tov. The rabbis on Yom Tov say both are permitted. Rabbi says on Shabbat both are prohibited. Uh, and they would agree that on Yom Tov, one is permitted and one is prohibited, and that's how they'll explain the uh, meaning. The rabbis actually say on Yom Tov, they're both permitted, right? So the rabbis could say that the Mishnah is talking about Shabbat, where one is permitted and one is prohibited. That's what Rabbi says the halacha is on Yom Tov. So he'll say our Mishnah is talking about Yom Tov, but that on Shabbat, both are prohibited. The rabbis will say our Mishnah is talking about Shabbat, where one is permitted and one is prohibited, meaning where your intent is for the vessel, it's prohibited. Where your intent is for the water, it's permitted. They'll say that is on Shabbat. On Yom Tov, every, they're both permitted according to the rabbis. So we can work out, it out according to both opinions. Tanu Rabbanan, the rabbis taught, If a vessel became Tamei on Erev Yom Tov, you cannot immerse it on er, uh, in Benash Mashot, meaning between sunset and Tzayte Kochavim. Why not? Uh, basically, you're immersing it on the Yom Tov itself because it's a doubt whether Yom Tov has started. It's a doubt whether it's nightfall or not. Rabbi Shimon Shizuri Omer Af in He says you should not even immerse any on a weekday. You shouldn't immerse kelim uh, at uh, during Benash Mashot in between sunset and Tzitzit Kochavim, the immersion of the stars. 
where, 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 the, where the stars emerge, the emergence of the stars, rather, you should, uh, you can't do that even on a weekday. Why? Because you'll get confused. Because basically, um, when it comes to Tumah Torah, this is not talking about, by the way, as I mentioned, this is not talking about the Tevilat Kilim that we do nowadays to, to, uh, for Kashrut reasons to make the Kilim permitted, which according to some Rishonim is Deoraita, according to many is only Deorabanan. That Tevilat Kilim that we do is not about Tumah V'tarah, it's a separate mitzvah. But when we're purifying for Tumah V'tarah, we know that we always have to wait a full day, meaning we have to wait till the sunset after the immersion was done. So if we immerse something, a person or a vessel, on the day, during the day, we have to wait till the following sunset for it to become fully tahor. And the same is true <clears throat> with regard to immersing a, uh, uh, you know, w- with regard to a person and with regard to a vessel. So meaning, if the person immersed something, it was already nighttime, they have to wait till the next sunset for it to be, become tahor. So the question is, so Rabbi Shimon uh, Shazuri is saying you should never immerse something because you might get confused and not realize you have to wait till the next sunset for it to become the doesn't our Tanakama worry about that so Rava said that I found the rabbis in the yeshiva Rav that they said the machloket here is whether we can derive his intent from his actions. That uh, where we're talking about a case where the person is rushing to immerse the vessel uh, at Shemesh. That the Chachamim say the fact that he's running to go immerse it shows you that he realizes he's trying to get it in before sunset because he knows that a sunset has to come after the immersion in order for the Torah to be completed. Um, but Rabbi Shimon Shizuri says, no, just because a person's rushing, it just could be because he's in a rush. It doesn't mean that because of his work. It doesn't mean that, he's, uh, that he realizes the necessity of a sunset following the immersion. And therefore, he might think that even though he immersed the vessel after sunset, it's already good and he doesn't have to wait till another sunset for it to become tahor. Right? So, and I said to them, says Rava, no, I said to them, everybody agrees, he says. That that's not the issue, says Rava. That uh, if we see that the person is running, we know that uh, uh, that um, th- this individual is uh, <clears throat> like Rashi says here. We definitely would assume that this person knows that uh, that he's rushing to get in before sunset. The issue is something else. He says. That the person is coming to ask, he says, if less than a kadasha, less than a lentil size of sheretz touched this vessel, okay, he came to ask a question about it. So he came, at, so the fact that he came to ask a question about that, since he doesn't know halachot of Tumah V'tarah, he doesn't know the nuances because he came to ask a question, maybe he also doesn't know, like he doesn't know the measurements of Tumah, maybe he also doesn't know the, uh, uh, the um, re- requirement that there be a sunset following the immersion of the vessel. 
But, uh, or it's possible, on the other hand, that, well, when it comes to the measurements of Tumah V'tarah, that's not written in the Torah, so it's possible that he wouldn't know that, but he might still know that you need to, uh, to wait for sunset after the immersion of the vessel because that's written explicitly in the Torah. So, since, so that's the machloket. According to the rabbis, we say that just because the person didn't know certain halachot of Torah Shebaal Peder or halachal Moshe Misinai, that doesn't mean he doesn't know that uh, you require a sunset after immersing a vessel. So if, even though he went to immerse the vessel during Benesh Mashot, we assume he's going to wait till the next day and the next sunset to declare it Tahor. We're only concerned about immersing vessels Benesh Mashot when it's a Yom Tov, when it's going into Yom Tov. Rabbi Shimon Shizuri says from the fact that he doesn't know certain halachot, we, we are worried that he might not also know halachot regarding uh, waiting for the sunset. And therefore, we say that a person... Uh, should in such a circumstance should not immerse the vessel uh, because uh, even on a weekday because he's going to make a mistake and not wait till the following sunset for it to be considered tahor. Now, what does it mean from back to back? What does it mean? It says here, and in the correction it says bado instead of kado, which is what it says in the Tosefta. Either way, what it means is simply kadol gav gito ose, right? So what, what that what that means is that um, if a, even though a person immersed a vessel to use it for his wine press, okay, now he decides to use it for his olive press. Bado bad is for the olives, but it has kado, which would mean his container of oil. But it's the same idea. In other words, he immersed it for one purpose, for wine, and he decides to repurpose it for oil. Or he immersed it for oil, he wants to repurpose it for wine. That's not considered a real change. Whatever immersion... So if he says, you know what, I immersed this thinking I was going to do... Uh, use it for wine. But now that I'm changing and I'm going to use it for oil, I want to immerse it again with that intention. It's not really a halachic immersion because it's not tamay anymore. He already immersed it the first time. He doesn't need to immerse it again because he's changing from now instead of using it for wine, using it for oil. So that, that tevilah is not significant halachically. So doing that is allowed because it's not really adding anything to the, to, to the Torah of the vessel, right? Similarly, when it says you can immerse from, uh, from group to group, what does that mean? The person immersed um, in the mikveh in order to eat from the Korban Pesach, he was thinking he was eating with one group, a certain group, because remember we have to register with the group that we're eating with. When it comes to uh, Korban Pesach, the guy's thinking, I'm going to eat with group A. He switches to group B. The fact that he switched from one group to another doesn't really require another immersion. But he said, you know what? When I immersed, I was thinking that I was going to be with group A. Now I'm changing to group B. I want to immerse again with the right kavana. That doesn't really, that's not really an immersion. That's not really uh, uh, a, uh, uh, a um, obviously it's not talking about the person. I should clarify. It's talking about the keli because the person's allowed to go to the mikveh whenever he, whenever he wants. But the point is that he says, uh, I'm going to, uh, I want to go on uh, and uh, immerse my vessels uh, to, uh, uh, you know, because I'm eating with a different group than I originally thought. So uh, that's not really required. So he's allowed to immerse it even on Yom Tov. Let's say the Yom Tov started on Pesach night. He, he, he said, you know, when I originally immersed these vessels, I was thinking I was eating with a group A, but, but then I changed and I registered with group B, so maybe I should re-immerse, uh, you know, re-immerse them. He doesn't really have to do that. So that's not really considered a creation of any further tara. So therefore, uh, he's allowed to do that on, on Yom Tov or Shabbat. The point is that if there's no halachic effect of the, of the uh, immersion. It doesn't add anything halachically. It doesn't make it more taur. It's just something that he wants to do for his own kavanot. That's allowed on Yom Tov and Shabbat because it's not really halachically a significant act of 
immersion of the vessels in that case.